Um, I was going to say, don't talk funny. Let's talk money. That's the name of the soul 111. All right. So here we go. How much do you actually know? This is a question about the stock market now. Been in this group for a while. Some of you guys have been whatever. I want to know, what do you think you know now? And there's no wrong answer. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah. So um, I joined May of like uh, last year. Um, and uh, I think me and Mike, we joined better on the same time. Yes. Uh, yeah. And now it's like, you know, a year and a half in that. So I definitely know more like, you know, I, I know like how, you know, like where to get the information I need to like, okay, see how like the company is going, how is it doing, uh, learn more about the company, what are the things to focus on um, in terms of how to read the, you know, with that help of that book, but even before then the price to earning and earning how the importance of revenue. So I, I can, you know, I know more than it is. Like I can say like, I, I consider it a success with that development in the year. Um, I can hold the conversation of like how the, you know, the money strategies about that, not come up with them, but like how, how to think about it. So okay. the key okay. concepts for, let's say, and the economics of it. All right, well, how about, well, good job, brother. What about you, Ruben? I saw you raise your hand. I'm coming to you next, Mike. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm always going to be a student. Yeah, I said uh, I'm always going to be a student. I'm always learning. Um, you know, um, I understand that two two people coexist in the market. You got your long-term investors. You got your traders, right? So even though I'm trying to learn the trading part, my heart is with, you know, a long-term investor. I know that's where the real money's made. Like you just, you buy great, great companies and solving problems. And ain't nothing going to shake me out of, I, can I read this real quick? It says, NVIDIA sat below $7 in 2016. In 2018, NVIDIA dropped from 70 to 32. Uh, then it went back from 74 before dropping again to 50. Then all the way down to three, all the way up to 330 and then getting cut more than half. Like, man, if you own a good company and it's giving you those opportunities, I don't know how I was doing it. I wasn't in the market in 2016. But, but, but the point you're reaching, I was, and the point you're reaching is people are so backwards. They wanted to run away. You don't have enough dough in it today. Why you want to run away? What's wrong with you? Oh, my account's down. I'm bleeding. Oh, my God, I'm sweating. You don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. Done. I'm like, yo, what do you think I'm trying to do right now? Get more income here and more income here so mm -hmm. I can throw bullets. Yep. You know, some real bullets, not throwing pebbles at a giant. No, Get it? We gotta we're going to go into it, um, but I'm going to come back to you. Good, good point, Ruben. Go ahead, um, go ahead Mr. Uh, Mike. Just to expand uh, a little of both what Ben and Muhammad said, like me and Muhammad, we came in and my wife, we came in uh, the same time. Um, the technical portion of learning how to look at companies, um, their year-over-year -year earnings, and, and, and those little technical things, I've learned a lot about those things, which I'm very appreciative of. The main thing for me is, because I'm still a little fuzzy on a lot of the terminologies and how, how, how to evaluate companies, but the biggest learning curve for me was managing my own emotions. Um, 
that has been a godsend because I was definitely one of those people. Oh shit, I gotta sell this. Oh, I gotta get rid of this. Oh, I bought. I should buy it now because it's cheap. And I was looking at all the wrong indicators. Um, being in the group now has definitely sharpened my intellect as far as what to look for, how to manage those emotions and the consistency, which I, I can say I'm, I'm doing okay with that. So thank you. No, you're welcome. I mean, this is this is not a, a accolade thing, but I appreciate the, the you know appreciation because that's what I that's that's what as the, as the women say that's my love language. Appreciate me, you ain't got to do nothing for me. Just appreciate me. You feel me? Yes, yeah, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where I'm gonna come to you a second, Mo. It takes a second to disconnect and move that skin from the cartilage and that bone, right? And then you realize it's just bone and skin, right? And you know, there's use for it all. I don't need to always be like, ah, there's no reason for it. It's really no reason for it. You don't, you, okay. I, I'll tell a short one before you get in there, Mo. I got to say this. I remember, and I never forget it. I told this story before, but I'm going to truncate it to five seconds. Someone was calling me up at the beginning of their career with Investment Dojo, and they were down uh, on two shares of stock, Apple, and they were down like, 15 points, no, something, probably might, maybe something like $50 total, 25 points, right? The same day I was down $287,000. I didn't say nothing to them about being down 287 until at the end when they were done and we had a long conversation and we got it right and she was good. And I said, listen, I don't worry about it. And I was down 287. She said, uh, yeah, that's how it goes. Because you got to have your ups and your downs. You got to understand too, as you grow, you can stomach more red. And as you grow, you want to ingest more red, right? I'm talking about grow here. Because what happens is, okay, NVIDIA is 323, or what is it at right now? Three, it's up 23 points today, right? So so when you look at, I'm mean, not NVIDIA, um, Enphase. When you look at the the number and you say, okay, 16. thank you, sir. When you look at the number, you go, wow, that's great. And then when you look at how many you got, not so great. Not so great. You don't own enough. You don't own enough. Until those 20, 30 point moves mean 50, 60 grand, you know, and then up 300 grand, you know, that type of thing. Until you get there, you got building to do. And the great thing about it is you got years to do it. Right? It's like, oh, man, someone told me about putting money in the bank because they wanted to save for college education for the next two years. And I said to them, I said, money in the bank? Okay. I understand. Play safe. Put the money where you need to put it. But in two years, in two years, in two years, Nah, you're not getting me to put dead money, sleep, sleep. I can't even say it. It's just dead money. What are you talking about? You might as well have a funeral. What are you going to say, Mo? Yo, I'm going to put no. this on. My, I'm putting this specific joint on my um, podcast. Just I don't care about the stocks. Let everybody do what they need to do. We're just talking. They, they, go ahead, Mo. Yeah. I didn't know you have a, uh, a podcast, but... 
Um, so, so now it's just like when Mike mentioned uh, managing of emotion, it just hit, hit home for me because uh, I I see myself how like I think when you know when things are down, I was like a little bit like more calmer than when I was trying to do the stocks before joining the dojo. And the other big thing for me was, you know, seeing these people like that talk about like, oh, I'm trading and making that and that. And I hear a lot of them clubhouse and all that, which I don't go there anymore. But uh, even like when I hear them outside, I, I don't get that feeling of like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something anymore. Uh, like, or like they call it FOMO or something. Uh, so I don't feel that feeling anymore. Like, no, I got a plan. I know where I'm heading. Let me just focus on that. Let me do my other things. So, you know, like that whole, like, you mm-hmm. know, other streams, all that kind of stuff. And as so you finish, just, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, just like when Mike brought it, like, you know, that really hit home for me uh, to remember that. No, and, and as you finish building out these, these positions, and then you'll start to build up more conservative positions, you'll start to round out your, your accounts on different equities you understand it's not always going to be tech 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 it just can't be right um because there's certain money you just don't want to um you just want to make sure you have a well-rounded portfolio and that that's the next for everybody you know but when you're just getting started and you got like three four five grand in the market you know um you got to build up to something too and it just takes time you know some people can only put five hundred dollars in the market every month that's six grand a year you know, so what's that if you're consistent? 12 grand? You know, so you got to really, really got to understand where you are and do the math. So that makes sense, too. But anyway, um, anyone else want to take a shot at that before I go forward? So the next question would be, how um, has your habits changed since you started investing? How has your habits changed since you started investing? Go ahead. Um, the very first thing is I definitely think pay me first. Um, that's a very difficult habit to, um, maintain. Um, but then, um, one that really helps me, helps to bolster how I feel about this group and about investing and even you, Kevin, is the book club, like, um, I legitimately read every single book that you put in that book club every single time. And it's not just because I want to say I read it all. It helps me. That's what really helps me to stay focused and to keep grounded and to just, you know, it, it, it backs up the things that you tell us. So, you know, we don't have to worry about you just making up your own stuff and coming to us with this information. <laughs> Everything in facts. Right. All the things that are in the books are things that you've been telling us. So it just helps to bolster everything that I am doing currently. So definitely the book club has definitely changed. I mean, I I was already a reader, but not to that um, magnitude. So that habit has changed. Me paying myself has changed. Um, My outlook on um, my entrepreneurial adventures that has changed so it's just like yeah everything for the better even when things are like really really rough I think 
honestly, I really feel like because I've read so many books now, like when things get tough, I'm not so scared and shaking and, you know, ready to, to bolt. I'm like, okay, you know, we know these things happen. Let's, you know, readjust. Let's, you know, think about things differently, come up with different ideas and see how we can move forward. So yeah, that's how my habits have changed. So the thing that you're keying on too is like, I'm a bridge and ladder person, which means if I got a small problem, I grab a ladder. If I got a big problem, I grab a bridge. You understand? And there's no thing that we can't solve. Nothing. I mean, we've been through some rough stuff, all of us, right? At in certain periods of our time of a life when we're here. So it's just another thing to get through. But the books help you level you out. The books help you raise your level, right? Your lid, right? So there's a book, 21 Laws of Irrefutable Leadership by, by um John Maxwell. You know, he talks about the law of the lid. It's important. It raises your lid. Like, I love the reading part because, like, I get a chance to, okay, so I call it the God hour. The God hour for me is like four, three, four in the morning. I wake up every morning. I just wake up and I just start listening to books or doing what I need to do at that time. But it's a great time. My mind is fertile. Like, I'm free. The noise stopped. So, you know, like we talked about going on vacation and not being able to stop the noise right? No, there's no noise at three in the morning for me. None, zero. I'm able to focus. <laughs> Everybody sleep, right? I can't hear anything except for me clicking on that keyboard if I'm typing out something or writing something, right? And that's when I used to write. That's when Sharon met me. I used to write all the time. It was usually three to four, and it was always the same amount of time I put in. I woke up at the same time every morning, and it was spitting out these dynamic pieces that God gave me at a time when he was ready to receive them. I was ready to receive it. Like, whoop, 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 whoop. it was crazy. And Sharon, to tell you, those pieces were super dynamic, super. It weren't like you just do it together. They're really, really cool. And I was poetic with it. So I always say the reading part is important. Um, it'll, it'll not only expand your vocabulary, but it'll expand your thought process. And it'll help you be strong. Because I've had people I talked to, I coached someone yesterday. And, you know, sometimes... And it's no fault to them, their own, but people make themselves weak because they call themselves people of God, but then they don't have any faith. I don't understand that. It's like, it doesn't even work out. Like, it's like, that does not compute. It's an oxymoron. So you can't have faith on Sunday. And then between Monday and Saturday, you forget it. Like, what are you doing? Not to get all, you know, churchy, but you understand what I'm talking about. So I just look at it like, nah, I just work with it. That's why I didn't care about, I cared about the operation, but I didn't care about the outcome because the outcome was already written. So I just understood that I had to accept it early. You understand? So when I accepted it, it was nothing to be scared of. Regardless, you go in, you go out. You go in, you don't go out, everything's good. You get it? Like you just, it is what it is. But anyway, go ahead, Mr. Mo. Let's go. Yeah. Um, someone else had their hands up, uh, like if they want to take what? Was it Mike? It was Angelique. 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 Oh, go ahead, Angelique. Well, go ahead for being a gentleman. Go ahead, Angelique. She's going to talk about her emotions. I know. <laughs> that That's the biggest thing, because we've had numerous conversations about my my raising and, and my relationship with money. That was the that was the first thing I learned was to stop being scared of having money. So I always thought it was bad and evil to have money. And now I realize that I can do good with money. Um, 
So stop being scared and stop holding myself back. And again, like, you know, um, has been said before, pay myself first. Before I was always in survival mode. And now I'm seeing myself going from surviving to thriving. And I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm definitely a lot further than I was a year ago. Um, so for that, I'm truly grateful. My, my whole relationship with money has completely changed now. Um, and that, that's been life-changing, not only for me, but you know, now generationally, I'm building this generational wealth and I'm teaching my children a better relationship with money. So now it's going to keep, keep going down through the generations. Um, so I'm just, I'm breaking that cycle of money is bad and, and this and that. So um, yes, emotions, because there's a lot of emotions around money for anybody, honestly. Yeah, money's not the devil though. No. <laughs> <laughs> People do devilish things with money, but money's not the devil. Go ahead, Danita. No, no, not Danita. Mo, Mo, go ahead, Moet. Mo, I called you Moet. That's funny. Come on, Moet. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, for me, like, you know, the habit of, like, you know, paying yourself first, I mean, I was a saver, like a bank saver before. So I had like a portion of my paycheck that goes there. I uh, now I split it like, you know, there, but it was easier for me because like, I always, I always had it like automatically goes out of my paycheck. So I don't see that money. Uh, but like, for me, the big change that I saw after, you know, joining and doing that is the mentality, to be honest which now, uh, now I need to build like the habits that support it, which some of them already there, but like uh, start building them, but I need to strengthen them. One of them is the reading for sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that as much, uh, but the mentality is like the switch. So like, you know, uh, you always talk about it. Like, you know, you, you grow up like going to college now after going to college, get a job, get promoted, the manager doing that. So that was like my, you know, okay, that's the way to go for. But, you know, after talking here and doing some research and that, my mentality changed. I want to create something for myself, like building myself, I'm in control of. And one is not enough because what if you always ask that? What if that one income, something happened to it? What are you going to do? The six months, they always tell us, like, save for it. It's just six months. What are you going to do for that after? Um, so that is like the big, shift for me which is the mentality like you know the hustle to go that which it got me the energy to do some things after work sometimes and you know so that that's the big the big i need to build like more habits to support that but it's in progress well and the thing too is we got a community you know you're gonna i don't expect everyone to be um you know like i don't know uh like ah i just expect people to do that for their family you got, I mean, if you don't ride for mine, ride for yours. If you ride for yours, you're going to ride for mine anyway, because no one's going to take care of you better than you. So let's not pretend, right? But we're building something that's really crazy to me because, you know, um, you're going to have the ebbs and flows. It's like, I can't do the contest now because they messed up the site. So I got to wait for my app to come out or find me another site. But if it's ready in a couple of months, I'll just beta it with the true crew and have some fun with it. Right. And then 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 I got to really put some dough away because I, it's going to take a lot of money to advertise it. It's a lot of money to advertise. Right. But what we got here is is really something special. And it, it works because it, it keeps us all in accountability. 
You know, it's like a little mastermind. It just keeps us all in accountability what we need to do. And it keeps us growing because I'm not saying here, eat from my mind. I'm saying, here's what my mind is eating. Would you like some? It's different, <laughs> right? And that's what these books do. Go ahead, Danita. Oh, yeah, so uh, a little bit uh, echoing what the other ladies just said, but for me, the biggest two things uh, probably were my, was my spending habits. Uh, so I don't spend much anymore. Uh, one of the books that we read talked about how if you spent, I think it was something like $20 a day, how much that $20 could be years, you know, from now. So I'm really, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm really, really careful about that. And even when I do buy something that's, you know, more than I want to spend, it just haunts me for months. Like, why did I do that? Or I could, you know, could be making so much more money. And the other thing uh, is the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. I always lived in the what if this happens at work and what if this happens and what if this changes? And I don't have those struggles anymore because I know that there are things that I hadn't opened my mind up to uh, that I can still do to be able to provide for my family. So those are my biggest things. Nice. Nice. I see you in the game, Sharon. Go ahead, birthday. Everybody say happy birthday to Sharon. She had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Sharon. Happy birthday, Sharon. Happy birthday, Sharon. Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, for me, it is the attitude towards dealing with issues. I remember, Kevin, you would ask questions like, can you solve a $20,000 problem or a $10,000 problem? And when I, I spoke to you about my new chair that I need to get, when, when, when it was first presented to me, I was kind of like, okay, so how do we do this? And once upon a time, that would have had me totally scattered. I would have been taught, I would have been panicking, wondering how I could do it. And I found that this time I just took a totally different approach to it. And it worked for me. And a lot of the things that I learned in the group, um, how to, how I learned how to manage money instead of being managed by money. So that's the biggest takeaway I had from being in this group. And I, I think a lot of it has to do, you know, it was a long time before I was able to get myself sorted to get money in the market. And in that time, I was learning, I was watching and learning. And I think that that's one of the reasons to why I don't have, I didn't have issues with my emotions when it came to the market. So when the market was down, never panicked. You got a yeah. chance to play it a certain way because um, you got a chance to actually see because it took your second to actually like Sharon was one of the people who was in Dojo who couldn't invest because she's over. She's not in the United States. Right. But what it was, is she got a chance to see the validity of what we were doing. So she got a chance to do a simulator. Right. During that period of time. And even though everything was going nuts, because she'll tell you it was a time where it was like everything was just going nuts because the market was going nuts. Um, I still was able to hone it down when everybody was chasing Riot and, and, and MSTR. We were buying in phase. We were buying these companies, this company, that company, and we was crushing it, just straight crushing it at just cheaper pricing than it is now, just crushing it. And so she got a chance to watch those things, right, and see how I handled. And she'll remember this when I bring it up. 
Remember when the Enphase had the letter came out about Enphase and they said that uh, they had cooked the books. And this is like, I think, May or July in the first quarter or second quarter, I should say, of 2020. And, you know, the first thing I said was there's two things that's going to happen. Either the company's going to come out and defend it or the street's going to come out and defend it. But, you know, Badri, because Badri's top notch, you don't pay top. Who cares? If you're talking about me, I did the right thing. That's how you feel about it, right? And so the street came out and defended it. And they saw it. And the stock went from 30-something dollars, 39, back to 65. Whoop, whoop. We know where it's at now. You know, 316. So, but she saw that. She got a chance to see that. And then just the whole, I remember being on calls we were a little bit more frequent during the pandemic where we were just breaking down every step of the way, like I did with um, a couple of companies, the, the actually earnings transcript. So it's, it's a different ball game when you, when you can actually look above the gym and see what's happening. It's hard when the balls is coming directly at you at like 90 miles an hour. It's hard because you have been taught to be so connected to the money that you make, but no one's ever told you that you can make so much more money. Why do you think everybody's quitting now? People making so much money on the internet is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Okay, let me move on now. All right, so name at least five things that you must do before you buy any stock. And it could be one from each person. Don't try to name five things. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Mo. So you get a review their earning reports or like read their transcript, like the calls. Um, for at these like you know eight quarters okay okay um, what else what else uh, Hold on. i can Got keep it. going yeah so so okay read the transcripts listen to earnings call for at least eight quarters go ahead ben a moat yeah yeah the moat's price no and power. joke price and power mm -hmm. price and apple i want to see apple play out with brazil over the charger you heard that right brazil no. said yeah yeah, so so, you know, the new iPhone doesn't come with a with a with a charger, and Brazil stopped like no, they need to. And Apple, I believe, is the company that I don't know how many iPhones they sell in Brazil, mm -hmm. but but I want to see how Apple deals with it. Like the Brazilian government is saying that the phone should come with a charger. It, it, I want to see it. You get it? You didn't. Yeah, but it. you 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 know. Oh, man. It's political so, here, right? It gets a little political. No, no, no. What I was saying is I was thinking this is it's probably an ingenious move. You got to realize that Apple probably makes a ton of money off of accessories. Mm -hmm. How many times have you bought a charger? How many times have you bought a headset? They got that. They let you know they got pricing power. The, the Price, yeah, but so money. that's yeah. So that's that's the whole. Yeah. Yeah. That make that's <laughs> just a that's an ingenious move. I just think it's. You got to conform to me. I'm the I'm the two trillion pound gorilla. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. Google if Google bow down and pay them to, to have the Google app on their phone, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, sir. All right, so thank you, sir. Um, hey, Cameron, welcome to the conversation. Come on, player. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, making sure to know kind of the leadership of a company and also checking out, uh, just. Other other stats that the company may have, as opposed to, you know, 
you know, people doing their research, oh, such and such like this company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so research, data. I always say that data is the only thing that matters. So if you can't back up what you're saying with the data, then it's not substantiated, it's BS. You know, that's why I, you know, you can't, you got people remix, remixing things. If I don't know something, I don't know something, right? I'm gonna go back and get the information though, right? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take things and make magic numbers. <laughs> you know, you gotta really understand what you're looking at. All right, so uh, Mike, go ahead. He kind of touched on what I was gonna say, the board of directors. I want to see who's running the company and what's their track record as far as dealing with issues or problems with the company. Mm -hmm. So, man, again, management and just leadership, C-suite. Um, and then I, and I would just throw my hat in the ring and say, you got to check out the competition. You got to know what's going on because competition, number two, number three, might be coming up, chopping at their nails. You might, you might want to get in. You never know what's going on. You might want to pay attention to put them on the radar, right? All right. So what is a question you must ask yourself before you buy the company? I'll give it, I'll give it a shot. Uh, so, yeah. So the question, so it's your question. First, you know, um, like that, does it have growth? Does it have growth? Okay, that's, that's cool. But I think the first question I'm going to ask is I'm in, am I going to be long-term or is this going to be short-term? How long is this money going to be tied up? If that makes sense, right? How, how am I going to, am I going to be there for the long-term? Because in the time frame that you might work out, might, that you might put that money to work, it may not work out on your timing. <laughs> so you got to divorce yourself from it. You know, that's why I tell people, at least this is how I think. You follow the way you need to follow, right? Um, I kind of feel like I got to go make more money outside of the market so I don't have to worry about the money in the market. Does that make sense? So another thing, if you, if you know how long your money's being invested, then that's when you win the battle over emotions. Most people lose the battle on emotions because they need that money win right away. But they don't need that money right away Wow. Just look at all the turns that this market takes. But quality companies, all you got to do is rock with the charts, do what you're supposed to do and keep adding as you may consistently. You're going to get some high, you're going to get some low, you're going to get some in between. And that's what you call average pricing. Because <laughs> no one has a crystal ball. And for those people that say, well, I, I'm going to sell it when it's here and sell it when it's there. That's cool. Then we're going to have a conversation about capital gains. We have that conversation. And you know, short-term capital gains is taxed at your marginal rate. So if you got a 37% tax bracket, they're taking 37% of your profit, Jack. Thank you, Miss Angelique, the tax person. Right? So when you think about long-term capital gains, it's 15%. I like that number. It's sexy. It's one five. I'm staying alive. Right. So you have to understand what that is. You really have to see that. And, and you know, that was my inside fact checker right now, Miss Angelique. Anyway, so, all right. Why do most entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs fail? Why? So why do most entrepreneurs fail? 
is the question. Go ahead, Cameron. Because they're they a lot of them been conditioned to stop at the first no, and so uh, they never, you know, stick in enough time to fail a lot more to getting that yes to where you find their your stride or their stride. I like that because in the sales business, when you're in sales, they'll tell you the sale doesn't start until you hear the seventh no. <laughs> you need to hear seven no's to get a yes. Yeah, but most people condition to give up after the first time because they're working with their emos, they're working with their insecurity, they're working, because a no means you don't like me to them. But a no to me means I'm just getting started because guess what? If you stay in my face long enough to say no and you didn't leave, we can achieve. <laughs> you understand? We can keep going until you say yes. If that's how you're going to do it, that's what we did as a stockbroker, right? That's how we did as a stockbroker. You have to hang up on us and then for us to stop talking or you got to buy. That was back in the days. Now we don't do that stuff, but that's just the deal. Okay. What else? Why do most entrepreneurs fail? Go ahead, Mo. Uh, so for, for me, I think they go hand in hand, commitment and consistency. So Well, they don't have uh, the work ethic. Let's, let's put it that way. Let's say the work ethic is not there, right? Yeah, right. So they have the idea, they start, uh, you know, going and then it just gets tougher and then, you know, just look bad. Uh, or like sometimes have the idea, start it, get hyped about it two, three days or a month and it started dying out. Mm-hmm. Okay, good job. Nita. This may tie into what Mo was just saying, but I think it's because they have the wrong why. Many people, when they start a business, it's all about how much money I'm going to make and not what am I going to do for others and et cetera, et cetera. So when you don't have that true why, then the things that Mo just described kind of kicks you out of the game. Yes, and yes, and yes, because you know, one of the things that y'all already know, like, you know, it's so funny. Like people say, Kev, you give a tremendous amount of value. And I go, I'm not giving enough. <laughs> I just feel like I'm never given enough. So that's important. You have to do it for the purpose. So even the purpose is going to be your family, right? Or, or someone else outside of yourself. But it can't be selfish because there's no such thing as a selfish purpose. If you want to say that's an oxymoron too. If you want to equate purpose to being purposeful towards the per the people that you love in your life, if you want to look at it in that direction. So, no, that makes makes total sense. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple of other little things then. And and uh, Ben, you had something to say or no? Yeah. Um, OK. Like. All right. Like I see a lot of people around me that like try to do like entrepreneurial stuff, like like open up they, their own little business or whatever. I see them. They put too much overhead before being like. Like we look, we got the internet, right? So I know somebody that's selling Herbalife products. They went and rented a store. Why you went and rented? That's overhead right there. When you could do this with the internet, you don't have to be at a spot. You don't have to pay a rent, but people want to like, they want that. They want to look successful, like starting out, have a, the, the office, the, the, you know, the storefront that you rent it out. That's taken from your revenue, right? So slow it down, use the internet, sell it like, but I see people want to, off the rip, just get the office and overhead and the new business card and, blah, blah, blah. and and it kills it kills them versus stay down just 
collect that much free cash flow. They don't understand free cash flow. You got to grab a free cash flow and build some some muscles, man. You know what I mean? So I yeah. see that a lot. It's funny. It's like when we saw Ken and Ken had the, you know, the, the Warren Pumers on. And that was dope because he was like, listen, I'm investing my money in products and, and real estate and doing all these things. I don't need to look good for who. Right. You know what I'm saying? For who? And it's like, and that's what it's about. It's like not trying to listen. I, I understand it because I know if I if I came in with the number one, I think chokers are really like for women. But if I came in with the choker diamond this and the, 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 that little woman, I was talking that, you know, that's so corny to me now. No disrespect to the people who do that because that's your lane and I'm just older. So I don't see that as my lane. So if that's your lane, no disrespect. But I look at it as, as a situation of it's old to me. It's not real. It's only perception. Like to certain people, the card is bigger than the business. I got a business card. <laughs> I got a business card. Here's my card. I am my card. Hey, need to, I, no card. Go ahead, bro. Can I add to that? Remember when, when we had the little huddle and you were speaking? Mm -hmm. After that was done and we left that room, dudes were sneaking up, up to me like, where you from again? Can I get your number? All of for what? Right? Mm -hmm. You spoke. You mm -hmm. said, it's my guy right here. They don't mm -hmm. know me. I'm a fly on the wall. But mm -hmm. I'm rolling with Kevin. So now, right? It's, it's, we roll over with each other. Yeah, but it, it just to say that the value people be like, oh, Kevin rock with him. Kevin don't rock with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and that's 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 dope, man. That's 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 real. And I nah, love it. it. I love it. Nah, I appreciate it. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody brings value. You understand it just to what extent that value is. It's like you know we were talking about real estate and you know pooling money and stuff like that, and that's cool. If it's the right environment, the right climate, right now, the climate's a little shaky right now for, for a lot of different things. So you got to be very careful in that area, too. But you don't know what we got. The solid of the solid that's here that can afford to do things when we can identify real deals. And like I always tell people, listen, if we do something, there's this guy who went to college for eight years and he has this thing called a law degree. He's a, he, he, he does contracts. <laughs> you know, and we can make sure the contract's heavyweight so everybody's protected. We ain't doing nothing on the sleeve, right? But when you do something, you know the risk. But here's how I look at it. If I had to raise 50 grand outside of my own pocket, right? And I said, listen, I go to 20 people for 50 grand. You know, what's that, five grand? You know, and I sit up there and go, hey, here's the deal, but here's the risk. You could lose it all, but this is what you can make on it. It's now on you to do your due diligence. Say, this is that. But guess what? It was one deal you never would have seen, right? Had you not, you innocent been here. And the thing about it is, it's like, I'm not going to deal with someone who's not proven, right? And the honest with you, that type of money is nothing to lose to me, right? So, but to make, 10, 15, 20, 50%, whatever it is it can make on it, makes sense. It's extra dough. And, and you keep leveling up. But you don't do that with the lever up in risky situations. You got to know what you're doing. And that's what coming together with people who have been there and done that 
says. You understand? It's like, you know, I'm not going to spill my man's beans, but, you know, he's telling me some things. He's doing some things. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm also the other voice of reason. Be patient. Be patient. Because when greed supersedes need, you don't want it. You don't want what's going to happen next, right? So it just got to take your time with it. And since we're in a position where, you know, no one needs the people on this platform. We don't need this person to make money, this person to make money, this person to make money, this person. We're all substantially solid on our own, which means we have nothing to fear because we, we make money. We do what we do. <laughs> it's okay. We're fine. We're not living off of cheese sandwiches like back in the days at the bolognese on the, you know how it goes. I ain't gonna go there. But you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I digress. I get into that. All right. So here's here's seven things that I that I wrote. It said that I caught. It says, why do most entrepreneurs fail? They don't have, they lack the money, they're inexperienced, they have an average business plan, meaning they're trying to do more of the same in a crowded with crowded venue with no moat, not focused. They're everywhere, but nowhere at one time. They're all over the place, no business plan, right? Going to buy, a, get, get overhead before you got products moving. Doesn't make sense. It's like someone said to me, listen, and this happened uh, two years ago, my man wanted to get 250 from me, not $250, but 250,000 and to do a clothesline. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have orders? He says, no, but I had a business plan. I said, the answer is no. <laughs> if I know that you, it's going to print money, then we could go ahead. He, he go went ahead. to Shark Tank with no plan? What do you say? He went to the Shark Tank with no, with no, with no plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Mark Q was like, nah, I'm all sad. Yeah, right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. So, and then they're unrealistic. So that's the other part, right? So now, here's a fun question. How many billionaires exist in the world? Worldwide, somebody guess the number. I how many billionaires? Whoa, 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 whoa! You can't talk it out. Just give me the number. No cheating. Go ahead. I don't have the number. I don't have the number. Guess the number. Hundred uh, thousand. No, no wait, more. Wait what was minute, the question again, Kevin? Wait, wait, wait a minute. I got it. Okay, it's how many billionaires exist in the world? But what did you say, Mo? Hundred thousand in the world. If I could punch you right in the noggin, <laughs> I'd just flatten your nose out. I'd knock your mustache off. Three thousand. <laughs> Why? You know what, Mike? I'm gonna give it to Mike. It's it's it's, it's it moves every. It's a moving number, but it's two thousand seven hundred and fifty-five. <laughs> I was gonna go with a higher number. I was gonna go with like five. Those only the the declared ones. No, Muhammad put some money in our pocket, right? Because he, he said a hundred thousand. I was like, Can I get in there? Check my bank account. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, what countries have the most billionaires? Russia, Saudi Arabia, yes, you I would say Saudi, Saudi. We got a Russia. What do we got for 200, Bill? Come on, thanks. What? United States. I say Saudi Arabia too. Somewhere in the Middle East, Qatar. Somewhere I know they. <laughs> well, only only the prince and the, the United States has the most. But 
Millionaires. Billionaires. Get off the internet. Get off the internet. You can't cheat, Madeline. Madeline's straight cheating. Because she said it. Here's the, here's, here's the deal. She said it with too much certainty. So I knew she was cheating. Stop cheating, Madeline. Skating. Listen, catch a release. Get out the car. Here we go. She's right. So United States has the most billionaires in the country, in the world, 724, right? Number two, who can guess who number, and, and not Madeline, you're disqualified. Okay. <laughs> who can guess what number two is? Germany or France. Okay, so I got to hit you with, this is when we know you need to do your math. What is the second largest economy? economy? Oh, China. China. Thank you very much. Yeah, they have 698, right? Mm, good time. Right. Okay. And it breaks down to, my, my eyes are going, 626 in the main line, mainland, 71 in Hong Kong, and one in Macau. <laughs> India is number three, 140. The UK, the UK is not in there at all? Relax. I'm getting there, mate. India is number three, 140. Germany, 136. Russia, y'all said Russia first, right? You thought about oil, huh? Yeah, I said yeah. 117. Brazil, 65. Canada, right. 65 Brazil. Canada, 64. UK, 56 in United Kingdom, Mike. There you go, 56. And then Italy, Chabella, 51. Sound like Mike taking out the garbage. <laughs> Not up until a mutant. All right. What industry produces the most billionaires? Let's go. Hey. Oh, oil. What? Okay, listen, you got to choose one. Okay, okay, okay. Oil. Oil. Oil tech. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you the order. Okay. So the number one industry that produces the most billionaires is finance and investment. Ooh. Ooh. What are we doing now? <laughs> number two is tech. So number one, let's go back to number one. So number one has 371 billionaires or 13% of the 2,755, according to Forbes. I'm not just pulling this out my anus, okay? Number two is technology. 365, 13% again of the 2,755. Manufacturing, wow, comes in third. Yeah. You make a product, baby. You got to make a product. Make a product comes in third, 331 billionaires, right? Or 12% with 155 coming out of China. And then we go to P. Diddy, retail and fashion, right? Number four, 273 billionaires or 10%. Number five, healthcare. 221 or 8%. Number six, food and beverage. Too much Sam Rothstein. 219. If y'all don't know Jay-Z, you don't know, get that one. I'm sorry. Anyway, 
or 8%. And then you have real estate, 215 or 8%. Then diversified investors, people who invest in companies, seed, angel, all of that good stuff, 188 or 7%. Media and entertainment, 95 or 3%. So let me see something real. We're going to take a little billionaire quiz if you like. It's good to be back. I have to tell you. Been away for a second. Let's get to it. Anyway, so who wants to be a billionaire is what we're going to play. And so the first question is, which of the following billionaires has never been the richest person in the world. Number one, Bill Gates. Number two, hold on, I'm gonna mute everybody. Number two, Elon Musk. Number three, Carlos Slim. Number four, Mark Zuckerberg. Which has never been the richest man in the world? Go ahead. Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Carlos Slim. Meta, meta platforms. Yeah, it's definitely Zuckerberg. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Not sorry. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg, worth $97 billion, has been one of the 10 richest people for six consecutive years, but never number one. Let's go to the next question. Who is the wealthiest sports team owner? Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones. Robert Kraft? Okay, I'm a, here's the rules. You gotta let me get the answers out, bro. All right, all right. It's Jerry Jones. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. Let's go. Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, Steve Ballmer, or Mark Cuban? Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner. Yes. Everybody, everybody vote for Jerry Jones. Steve Ballmer. Mark, Mark Cuban. Yes. Mark Cuban. Yeah, Mark Cuban. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we got we got we got Steve, we got uh, Jerry Jones, we got a Steve, we got one Steve Ballmer, we got a couple of Mark Cubans. So let me explain. I say crap. You're wrong. Stop it. It's Steve Ballmer. Who is he? Yeah. Steve yeah. Ballmer used to be your CEO of Microsoft and he's oh. the owner of the Lakers. Let's go. Oh, no, no. Okay. Is it the Lakers? No, it's the Clippers. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say he I thought Jerry Buster. No, 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 it's the Clippers. Wrong. Clippers. There you go. All right. He wrote 68.7 billion. All right, so now, which, Mike, play nice. <laughs> which billionaire was famously rejected 30 times when applying for jobs, including by KMC, before founding a commerce giant? Number one, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Jack Ma. Alibaba, Pierre Adaya, or whatever. I don't know how to say his last name, but I'm, it's Pierre, but it's eBay. And then Toby Lukey, which is Shopify. So, which one is the answer? Shopify. I definitely Bezos. Those names. I butchered those names. Bezos and Ma, <clears throat> Alibaba. Shopify. Uh, okay, who who is you you? You, you got it honestly, Marlene? Marlene? Yes, I did. I'm not looking at anything. <laughs> All right, now I got to check my cheaters. Do an episode <laughs> of Cheaters. Okay, oh. but she, she's absolutely right. It is Jack Ma. 
Jack Ma, Alibaba, Alibaba founder Jack Ma also received 10 rejections from Harvard and went on to amass $48.4 billion in a fortune. Next question. This city boasts the most billionaire residents. New York City, London, Los Angeles, Beijing. Beijing. New York City. New York City. New York. I'm gonna go with New York City for 200 bill. It's Mo, Beijing. Oh a hundred billionaires reside in China capital, followed by New York City, 97 billionaires. This is like neck and neck. It's it's a three three point difference there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who who was the first rapper? to join the billionaire list. Jay-Z, P. Diddy, Kanye West, Dr. Dre. Kanye West. Dre. Dre. Dr. Dre. Dre, when he sold Dre. beats. No, that didn't make him a billionaire. It actually was yeah, made him Kanye 800 West. million. No, it's Jay-Z. Come it's on. Jay-Z? It's Jay-Z. It was he, one it's Jay-Z. It's Jay-Z, baby. Jay-Z. But it was Dre. And as Jay-Z was the first, thanks to stakes in Uber, SpaceX, Armandale de Brignac, and De Uset. So that just shows you right there. Again, we said the, the diversified. They mean what when you invest in, in companies, you know, it's just to get enough weight to own enough weight, right? So let's just say that we got plans next year at the end of next year. Just everybody get your weight up at the end of next year. And let's say that God blesses us in certain situations and the app's out doing wonderfully, this business doing wonderfully. And then we could put a syndicate together where they have deals that make sense. Like we get hooked up with the right people, not just doing, not going to uh what's that? A starter engine and be like, okay, yeah, let's buy. Co-. No, sorry. It's not what I'm talking about. People that know people that know people that know people, that part. But that's what this is about. Really? Because that that's what they're doing. They didn't buy, he didn't buy Uber. He bought Uber in a seed round. Angel investing. He didn't buy it in the market. Space anyway. Right? That's private. Yeah, private. Correct. All right. So who is currently the world's youngest self-made billionaire? Whitney Wolf Hurd, Austin Russell, Kylie Jenner, Kylie John Jenner. Collison. John Kylie Collison. Jenner. Kylie Jenner? Kylie Jenner? She's 19. And wrong. It is Austin Russell. 26. I'm sorry. I said it funny. 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 I said it Dropped out of Stanford in 2012 to find to found Lidar company Luminar. He's now worth 2.4 billion. I don't even know what Luminar is. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Look it up. I think it's good. Yeah. Isn't that what uh, autonomous driving? All right. Let me put myself on mute because I'm, it's like my thoughts are coming out and I'm like, yeah, they're spilling, bro. They're spilling like the blob from 1950. Climbing over my computer. Look, write it down and look it up and share it with the company. I'm going to share it with the. Share it with the thing. All right, so 
This billionaire luxury brand includes Louis Vuitton, Bulgari, Don Perignon, and Tiffany & Co. Bernard Arnault, Am Amancio Ortega, Giorgio Armani, Muxia Prada. Bernard. Yeah, you're right about that. Ortega. That's the name I was trying to get the other day, and I couldn't finish it. Bernard. Uh... Arnault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chairman of, yeah, yeah. France, yeah. richest person worth $150 billion. Yeah. He got the Penny, he got the, the Moet, Louis Vuitton. He got, he, he it, got all. it all. I think they bought Tiffany, too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. All right, so where does Aliko Dangate, I don't know how to say his name, Dagoti, the richest person in Africa live? Egypt, South Africa, Nigeria, or Kenya? Nigeria. Nigeria. You already know. And Nigeria. it says... Dangote, worth $11.5 billion, lives in Lagos, where his cement and sugar companies help make Nigeria the largest economy in Africa. So, you know, this is not an exercise of futility. You have to know, if you look at the industries that make the most billionaires, ask yourself what industry you're in and what are you doing with your life? Look at that. Look at it. Pay attention and figure out a way in. Bully. Broad Street. Bully. Okay. Which billionaire recently remarried after a high-profile divorce from a fellow billionaire? Francois, what is this, Bendencott, Myers, oh, I need my glasses, Mackenzie Scott, Kanye West, Alice Walton. Mackenzie Scott. Who's Mackenzie Scott? Bezos' ex-wife. What do you say? Isn't that Bezos' ex-wife? You are one hundred percent correct. I pulled out my glasses. Now I see. No, I'm not cheating. You knew that for a fact. She knows the gossip. I didn't know. I a cheater. Listen, once a cheater, always a cheater, right, fam? No, I had no idea who that was. Listen, Mackenzie Scott worth fifty-three billion. Divorced Jeff Bezos in two thousand nineteen after twenty-five years. In 2021, she wed Seattle science teacher Dan Jewett. I guess she just wanted a normal life. He's That's a science true. teacher? He's a science teacher. I need wow. to go back to school. That's another, that's another, another topic for the show. Would you trade in? I'm just kidding. <laughs> hurt tonight. Only one billionaire has flown to space. Who was it? Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Larry Ellison. None of the above. Richard Branson. None of the Branson. above. Branson. Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Oh, yeah, Virgin Nats. Okay. Elon Musk, dude? Oh, no. So, yeah. so yeah. When, when you know, you know. All I'm going to say is when you know, you know. Bezos what? When you know, you know. Listen, Musk and Branson own space flight companies, but the only billionaire to have left the atmosphere is early Microsoft employee Charles Simone, it's Simon Yee or Simon Yee who paid sixty million for the two space trips. So he, none of the above. Okay. Cool. My original answer. <laughs> so, oh man. Wasn't it, wasn't it his his thing that went up into space? He owned the, the company. I, yeah, it was SpaceX. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, so listen. Here we go. How many major stock exchanges stock exchanges are there in the world? How many major stock exchanges are in the world? Give me a number. 
Four. Three. Y'all can't hear me laughing. Okay, no. You got you got the Dax. You got the S and P. Okay, stop. You got you got the New York. Somebody. So Anthony said six. Someone said four. You got London. You got uh, Australia, Mexico, Brazil, Chile. You got a. You got a lot of them. Uh, Somebody give me a number. Cut this out. Twenty. Asia. Okay. All right, yo, I just say give me the, the, the where they're at. I said, give me a number. Follow directions there, Cameron. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking hard right now. You said major. That's why I was like, okay. Um, the answer is 60. 60? Yeah. yeah. This is world commerce, man. So let me break it down. So you know I ain't going to give you no information without having some this fun with it. it. Is it? Hold on. Let me, let me, let me mute you. Okay. <laughs> he said, let me mute you. <laughs> let me mute you. Sit down. Sit down in the corner. Okay? Listen, this is the community that we exist in. You got to be able to take a shot. Here we go. So, who can guess the approximate combined market cap of all combined exchanges? Now, let's go market cap. The total value. Price multiplied by shares gives you the market cap, the total value. Who can guess? Give me a guess. Be outrageous. Give me a number. Forty trillion. Wait a minute. God damn it. He just said three hundred trillion. Yo, listen. And I said forty trillion. Okay. So you said it. It wasn't right. Sit down. So, okay, I'm messing with you, Miss Sharon. <laughs> with you, Miss Sharon, you're going to get smacked. Oh, Lord of mercy. What the number yet? It's 69 trillion. 69 trillion. 69 trillion. I'll <laughs> Okay. How many exchanges make up 87% of the 69 trillion? Now, you know, there's 60. So don't be guessing like 300. There no. Five. Ten. Ten. No. Thirty. Five. No. One more answer. One more answer. Twenty. And 16. Whoa. 16 that. exchanges make up 87% of the 69 trillion. Okay. Asia has 17 exchanges. What percentage do they make up of the 69 trillion? Asia. Asia, 17 exchanges. What percentage do they make up of the 69 trillion? 30. A third. Yeah. Bong, itty bong, bong. I'm going to give it to you both, but it's 33.3%. $24 trillion. Europe, what could you guess? I said 33.3. Cameron? You can really studio with the with the glasses. See, I put my glasses on. I can see you now. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna get my Listen, glasses. <laughs> one, third, one third is 0.33333. Yeah, 33 and a third. Yeah. That's a lawyer's fee, too. Are you counting pennies, bro? Pretending them to be quarters? What are you doing? That's a data analysis, man. <laughs> oh no. Cameron, you're a teacher, aren't you, Cameron? Uh-uh. What do you I'm do for a living? Contract manager. 
Okay, you managing the wrong contract right now. Sit back. <laughs> anyway, so this is what happens when I haven't talked to you all in three weeks. This is like the dozens all over. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, what? how much does Europe, how many exchanges does Europe have? How many percent of the total? No, how many? Well, you can give me that, but I really don't want that. How many exchanges do they have? Uh, 25. Three. No. Give me one answer. One more answer. One more answer. You said there's 60 altogether. 10. 17. Yeah, it was close. 13.5 trillion, 19.5%. So between Europe and Asia, it's big, right? So it's 33.3% and 19.5%. Wait a minute. So now the New York Stock Exchange is bigger than 50 of the smaller major stock exchanges. North America accounts for how much in terms of percentages of the 69 trillion? Come on. 75. Two more answers. 45. Nope. One more answer. Well, I'm going to give it to uh, the closest would be Nita. It's 40.3% of the 69 trillion, which is 28 trillion. I said 40. 40. You said 40? Yeah. I thought you said 35. No, I said 40. Okay, I'm sorry. You got a little cheater butt on you over there. I didn't hear him. I was deaf in that ear. Yeah, you got a little cheater No, I'm not cheating. <laughs> you know, I love you. But listen, you did it yourself. You set yourself up for this one the whole night. I'll take it today. Oh, my God, it was funny. Between North America and Europe and Asia, they control how much of the world's market cap? Give me a number. Three quarters. 85%. One more answer. I got three. Nope. And so a third. It's, <laughs> it's 93%. Damn. That much? It's Asia, North America, United States of America. All economies. Right? You have North America. I mean, come on. Let's go. And Europe? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's huge. All right. What else we got going on here? What are the names of the two most common popular stock exchanges? New York. New York Stock Exchange. New York Stock Exchange. And the NASDAQ. S&P 500. There you go. The New York and the NASDAQ. Nope, that's an index. And the Dow. Well, <laughs> that's an index, too. <laughs> <laughs> the Dow is made up of the 30 biggest, largest, most stable companies. The, the S&P 500 is something about 500 of the best companies in the world. That's how it goes. And they, they're indexes, right? But this is good. I figured we were going to do this tonight. I got to recharge you with a little bit of information as well, right? All right, so let's go. Um, I already gave you the answer to that one earlier, so I can't do that. What is the market cap? Who can guess of the New York Stock Exchange? I'm running out of time. 90 billion. What'd you say? 500 million. No, no. Yeah, yeah. One more answer. Uh, I'm going to go 13, 13, 13 trillion. I really wish I could have muted you before you got it out. That would have been awesome. <laughs> 90 billion is a lot. <laughs> That's like, listen, between you and Madeline, I'm having fun. Anyway, 
The answer is uh, 24.68 trillion. Wait, wow. Okay, who can tell me? I asked, asked the, I answered the question earlier, but I'm going to ask again. Who could tell me? Who could define what market cap is? The total shares times the, the price. Okay, okay, you go. You're paying attention, Mr. Mohammed. Look at that. He's like, I remembered that. He just said it five minutes ago. Good job. Okay. What is the market cap of the NASDAQ? Smarty pants. <laughs> Come on, Cameron. You want to throw in your 13.5 trillion? Come on, throw me something. No, I'm, I'll give you about uh, 10. 12. Go ahead. Come on. Come with the NASDAQ. Um, oh, I, I'll, I'll go. Uh, so 12 trillion. 12 trillion? No. Uh, what did you say, Mike? 5 trillion? No. Three? 1.2 trillion? No, I would go to Angelique, but she got like all of the chat and all of them are wrong. I say three, Kevin. You said three. No, <laughs> nowhere close. Nineteen point five trillion. Nineteen point five trillion. Yeah, I was trying to calculate the twenty three forty percent. So of the sixty three, I was trying to count that. But <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. That was so funny. The combined market cap of the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange is $44.18 trillion, just so you know. How many indexes are there? That's a question. How many indexes are there? Four. No. Four? Okay. Okay. Seven. Oh, no. Seven? Six? Seven. Okay. I know six. You go six. Oh, you should have put that in the chat. Hey, Angelique, Angelique, you should have put that in the chat. No, bro. No, you didn't get that right. So it should have been in the chat. Anyway. <laughs> Come on. Like, like my man said from Wolf of Wall Street, let's pump those numbers up. <laughs> Anyway, so okay, we gotta go up on those numbers, guys. Come on, give me some numbers. Give me, I'm gonna 15. give you another round of three. 15. And higher. I'll double it. 30. 30. Mm, 42. You can't say the same thing he said, Cameron. 22. I said 42. 42. <laughs> okay. Everybody's wrong. And you can add up all your numbers and still would have it all. It's 5,000. Oh, damn. What, what was the question again? How many, how many indexes are you? You can Google it. In the world? I actually did Google it. <laughs> and what was the answer? 5,000. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, but if you'd have said it, I'd have known you was lying. You right. Was cheating. If you, just, you, you, couldn't, you had to hold that close to your breast. I already yeah, know. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where can you find all U.S. equities what index? All. No Googlers. No Googlers. 
The Dow yeah. Jones? Dow Jones. Yeah, that'd be the Dow. Dow has 30 stocks in it. I said all U.S. equities. Oh, that's a- all U.S. equities? Oh, so S&P get 500, which is almost 90%. That's 500. Right. The NASDAQ then. Yeah, was gonna say, yeah. A little yeah. over 2,300. The New York Stock Exchange, right? No. You get them all? No? No, no, no. It's the Russell 2000. You combine the NASDAQ and the New York West. So, yo, listen, I feel like I'm in the alley right now with some eight through <laughs> straight. Russell 2000. It is the Wilshire Index. The Wilshire Index. Wilshire Index. Oh, I need to do something. I would have never done it. Will 5000, baby. Look it up. That was so funny. This is actually fun tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay. Who are the top five influential CEOs of publicly traded companies? In order. In order. In order. No, no, no. Here's how we're going to do it. One person gets to name five people. Till someone gets it right. You only yeah. get you, yeah, so you only get like go ahead, Mike. You only get one shot at it. Uh Warren Buffett. Uh, okay, so you're done. <laughs> 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 Who wants to go next? Go ahead, Ruby. Elon Musk. Uh, come on. Influential? I said it in order. Oh, in order. The Apple guy, what's his name? Uh Okay, but but I can't give it. Here's the deal. I I I bounced. You know what I'm talking about, right? I bounced. Yeah. Go ahead. Who's next? Who wants to try again? Come on, Cameron. I'm gonna skip over uh, Tim Cook, but I'm gonna go. uh, Is Tim Cook your first one or not? Tim Cook is the first one. Apple was what two trillion several months ago. So yeah, okay. I'm gonna go with Tim Cook. Then I'm gonna go with uh, Jimmy Diamond. I'm gonna go with Bezos. <laughs> then I'm gonna go with Musk. <laughs> go ahead, Mo. So influencer like in social media. How many CEOs you see on social media? <laughs> 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 what are they doing, reels? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna give you the answer because this is just too this is comic relief right now. Tim Cook, Apple, Nadella, Microsoft, Sundar Pichai. I can never say his name right, but that's Google. Andy Jassy. Because Jeff Bezos is no longer Amazon. on Amazon. Yep. That's Amazon. And then Elon Musk, Tesla. Make sense? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Next question. What is a bellwether stock? The what? Bellwether. Um, what is a bellwether stock? Isn't that one that's not AT and T? I didn't say my bell. I said, "What is a bellwether stock?" <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are giving it to me tonight, hard. Oh my God! Woo! This is too fun. Isn't it like one that's it's like it's not established, but it's being watched? Bellwether stock. Bellwether stock. 
Put that in the chat. Put hey, Angelique, put that one in the chat. And those exact words? You already know. Put it in the chat. Because they're considered market leaders, strong earnings reported by Bellwether stocks indicate a strong economy. Okay. Who did that? Who cheated? I didn't I just I never, I never heard that before. He gave the answer. If Bellwether is like the, <laughs> you could have muted. I'm not trying to cheat. I just I never heard that before. So all right, so it's an indicator of where yeah. and which direction the economy is going. You just said Google. Google this. Listen, I'm taking all your number two pencils, every single one of them. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so oh man, um, what was I going to say? Well, I'm not gonna yes, forget. it's the company. Wait, wait, wait. Bellwethers are companies like they are the industry leaders, so you can tell which way trends are going. So you kind of look at the tea leaves. So like if you listen to trade, if you if you listen to trade desk, he was telling us a long time that Netflix would go to commercials. A long time. Right. So I'm talking five years. This guy's been on it like that. Lord of mercy, the little king boy. I'm gonna put him in a closet. No. Why not? No. I'll put in the closet. He should be not messing around. You're <laughs> right. Anyway, um, let's go. Uh. So why is it important to keep up with um no 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 no? Why is it important? Why are bell stocks, bell weather stocks important, even if you don't own them? Why are bell weather stocks important, even if you don't own them? Go ahead, Mike. It lets you know what direction the economy will be heading go ahead ben good job uh that's why you listen to j is a jb hunt um earnings call you don't own it but you listen for the supply chain yeah the truck there you it, go the weather you know well, that, that, absolutely right the trucking and you know what the supply chain is doing perfect I, I put it in the chat let's see what she put in the chat let's see what she put in the chat let me see what you got going on lady she says, I absolutely agree. Oh, here we go. Anyway, <laughs> it predicts the market. Ah, here we go. Now, oh, what do we got here? What do we got here? We're getting a little long in the tooth right here. Um, I got a little bit more. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm almost done. Should I continue or are we going to call it? No, continue. I'm having a blast, man. I mean, I'm loving this money. It. it shows how much we don't know, but we're having fun with it, how much we don't know. Yeah, it's good. We get to laugh at our ignorance. No worries. Right. <laughs> All right. So, name some reasons why. Wait a minute. Okay. No, I can't go there. Why is it important to keep up with economic conditions that affect the market? Okay, to to see the trend of the economy, but also like you know that affects the monetary the monetary policy. Okay, like when you can string that together without mumbling, you come back to me. Go ahead next. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. But you're right though, bro. You're right. Go ahead, Marceline. Um, I was gonna say I think it tells like when the if the when the economy is doing well or it's not doing well it will indicate when people have 
free cash flow and when they don't and if they're going to be more willing to spend or not spend. Okay. So in a roundabout fashion, you're almost correct, but then you're talking about like consumer pricing index, right? You're talking about economic indicators. So you really want to say that it's important to watch the economic indicators because they'll tell you the trends with the consumers. It's important to watch the GDP numbers so we can see what growth is. It's important to watch the ICM numbers to see if we're in expansion or contraction. You understand? It's important to see where we are. You can watch all these indicators and these indicators will tell us what, what the market is kind of feeling based on these numbers. Unemployment, right? Job, uh, job growth, inflation, interest rates, right? So the feds are going to be speaking again in about what, two weeks, right? Something like that. And so we'll be listening again for what they're going to say. And everyone will be paying attention to their language, right? But the reality is that the market is going to respond either way or, you know, so yes, that's the deal. It's important to pay attention to those things. Now, over the long term, 10 years out, what happens today probably won't matter as much as, as what you did today that will matter more, if that makes sense. All right. Good job. Good attempt, though. Okay. Now, name some reasons why one per person. Don't sneak any second ones in. Name some reasons why stocks go up. Go ahead, Mo. Good earning calls. Okay. Good job. Go ahead, Ben. Institutions are buying them. They're the only ones that can move them. Okay. Good job. What else? Who's next? Go ahead, Cameron. Um, lower interest rates. Hmm. Go ahead, man. Nice job. Come on, Mike. You're unmuted. Jump in. Name a reason why stocks go up. Company expansion. How about new product introductions? Oh, my. Yeah, I was about to say that because every time Apple brings something out, they go up. Then who's next? You know what? I'll give the rest. So I'm just going to round them off. Earnings, takeovers, it's, and there's more, but these are the ones I just grabbed. Earnings, takeovers, when a company takes you over, you know, or you get taken over, um, or you take over a company, right? Um, institutional buying, favorable analyst reports, right? Upgrades. Sector momentum. You're just like oil. Everything was oil at the beginning of the year, right? Like, and then trends, like, you know, favorable trends. Liquidity meaning there's a lot of money going into the market. People are buying. Mm -hmm. New product introductions, as Cameron so eloquently stated, decreasing interest rates. And then also, as you know about the old Best Buys and GameStops, short squeeze. When, when there's a short squeeze, that means someone borrowed stock, they can't buy enough, they keep having to buy it up, and it pops the stock up. Short squeeze. Ooh. All right. What causes stocks to go down? Bad earnings calls. Right. Interest rates. Raising interest rates. Yes. That, right. that hurts growth. What else? Low product failure. You said product failure? Mm. Mm. Some, it depends on the company, though. It's like if it was like, what was that company that everyone was buying in the beginning that, you know, I just couldn't stand? It was a truck company that they said had no engine. They, was, they rolled it downhill. Oh, <laughs> The electric company. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't even. 
Um, well, you don't even think about it anymore. I forgot. No, no. I forgot what it was for good. Like, I really didn't care about that company, so I burnt it. Raven? Not, when you find out, blurt it out. But, yeah, I burnt a brain cell on that one. You know, this this is a call for, for Madeline's Twitter fingers. Come on, Madeline, look it up for us. Listen, Madeline was the first one on the call tonight. I can't trip. You know, that's my favorite family. Let's go. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Decreasing stocks. Okay, so we got missed earnings, debt issuance. The street don't like when you issue debt. Um, bad analyst report, bear market, recessions, inflation, rising interest rates, and shorts, short sellers. Sorry about that. Must have been my email. And short sellers. All right. How many stocks are on the NASDAQ? Oh, Lord. Give me a range because it ain't, it ain't a perfect number. How many stocks? A thousand? Nineteen hundred. Pump those numbers up, buddy. Twenty three thousand. Uh, twenty three thousand. Uh, no, twenty three hundred. <laughs> oh, I was ready to get the gun. No. I was gonna say, isn't it like twenty twenty five thousand? See what happens. The dumb and the dumber. I mess with you guys. <laughs> Whoa, that, that just sounds really low to me. I'm gonna go three thousand. <laughs> Oh. It's three thousand. It's a little bit over thirty three hundred. Okay. Wow, that seems yeah. low. How about the New York Stock Exchange? Oh, maybe that's why I was getting messed up on. He said that. <laughs> I know nothing. Teach me. <laughs> New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Give me a number. Five thousand. Five thousand and change. It's a little over twenty. Uh, over twenty three hundred. Let's just put it that way. Google it. Have some fun with it. All right. So I got a couple more things. Oh. So what is the M2 money supply? Um, you got me with that one. You print it. What is the M2 money supply? <laughs> just hit people in the head tonight. <laughs> it's just it's okay. go. You didn't have a guess on that. <laughs> It's okay, money, listen. It's the money, the money supply that wait, wait, wait. Cash no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Relax. Cameron's going to give the answer without reading it. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Cameron, and then Mike can go ahead and read it. Go the ahead. Money, you the money injected into the economy. Okay, Mike, can you read it, please? Okay, the M2 is a measure of the money supply that includes cash, checking deposits, and easily convertible near money. M2 right. is measure of the money supply that M1, then M1, which includes cash and checking deposits. So what is near money? Credit. Near money is non-cash assets that can be converted to cash. Is that like a bond? Gold, um, bond, checks. Metal. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's sort of like the asset test on a balance sheet, right? So it's called a quick ratio. So you can, what you can convert to cash within a 12 month time frame, like as soon as possible, immediately, so to speak. So when you know what is long-term in the stock market over 12 months, right? Excuse me, excuse me, that's not right. Long-term in stock market is over five years. No. Long-term on the balance sheet is over 12 months. Short-term on that balance sheet is, is so when they say current assets, Right. And then long term assets, 
current assets is 12 months or less. Long-term is 12 months or more, 12 in a day, that type of thing, all right? So when you said, do they have short-term debt? The answer could be zero, but they can have long-term debt, right? Okay, good. What is quadruple witching, people? You should know this one. It should be easy. It's the it's the expiration date of uh option. stock options, stock options, bond, the bond market, uh futures contracts. Are you working uh, on your apple? You got the mouse in your hand. Oh <laughs> but he's right though. It's um a lot it's, of money uh, moving around. It's options, index, futures, all of that coming to expiration at one time in the third week of the last quarter of not like well of the of every quarter of every quarter of the, yeah. yeah of every quarter of the year right so that's the story all right now oh we got three last things three little bits of information here so all right how much credit card debt do we have uh what do we how much credit card debt do people have right now give me a number i know it's up I don't have the number, but it's up. About 20, what, 2,500, 2,600 per person? Hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. We wish. Well, the school? Oh, no, credit card. We'd be dancing. 17. Credit card debt. 10,000? 10,000. Oh. No, so, okay. Trillion, trillion, right? <laughs> okay, so we're talking about the total number, which is 841 billion okay. as, of the, as of the first quarter. Then it went up 46 billion to 887 billion. Okay. Right. And then you have um, the average consumer has about eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. Damn. That was a number that I read. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Um, and uh, the, the last question starts a whole new topic. So we're not doing that because I said, do you think the real estate market is going to crack? We'll be here for another hour. <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy. So but um, that was fun. That was a lot that of fun. That was amazing. Yeah, well, listen, I ain't been back in a while. I was sitting here going, uh, you know, it's I was for the last four days, I've been thinking about this so. And I normally that's what happens. I try to think about what I'm going to be doing in the future. And I just didn't want to do anything relationship based or anything like that. I wanted to do something financial because that's what's going on in the on the hearts and minds of my folks. And I just wanted to also just kind of throw some education out there and you know, um keep it moving. You know, so that's it. I'm going to post this one on my on my uh, podcast, which is going to be hilarious. Um, I, I can't wait to listen to this one. This is going to be funny. So I don't know when I'm going to post it. But when I do post it, everybody be listening for the stocks like. <laughs> that's OK. We're going to have plenty of more. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you. You know what this is. Thank you for having me. It's all good. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed night. Thank you for joining us, Miss Wyoming. I saw you in there. <laughs> well, I'm listening. I'm listening, learning a lot. I know, I know. Awesome. Thank you, darling. I appreciate you coming. Bye, All right, guys. Take care, Madeline. Bye-bye, guys. Good night. Take care, guys.